The value add strategy is something you will hear all the time as a passive investor that active investors you invest with are executing on. But there's a bit of a warped perception about what that means. In today's episode, Glenn and Amber Schwarm will tell you how they strategize their value add strategies after doing over $100 million in flips. So you can be sure your sponsor is choosing the right value add strategy for their market and the economic cycle we're in. This is the Passive Real Estate Strategies Podcast, where we educate career-driven individuals who have tapped out their earning potential, learn about passive real estate investing, so you can continue building your wealth without compromising your time or taking on more responsibilities. I'm your host and managing partner at Realm Investors, a multifamily syndication group who has helped multiply millions of dollars for our passive investors. Thanks for tuning in and let's get on with the show. Hey investors, welcome back to another episode of Passive Real Estate Strategies. Today, I am sitting down with Glenn and Amber Schwarm. Now, Glenn and Amber are a married couple who began real estate investing and home flipping in 2007, notoriously uh, the greatest time to get into this space. And for the past uh, 15 years, yeah, exactly. For the past you know, 15 years, um, through their home flipping workshops, Glenn and Amber have helped everyday people flip over 850 homes and growing uh, value at $85 million plus dollars. And they're helping people build passive income through real estate flipping, which really interested me because flipping is generally so the opposite of passive. And so when I had met Glenn and Amber, I thought that that was really, really interesting and I had to have them on the show. So Glenn and Amber, we're excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. We're glad, glad to be here. Yeah. Good. Um, so tell us you know, about the passive opportunities within the home flipping space. I think a lot of people look at real estate investing and home flipping is kind of like the first thing they think of. Uh, there's a ton of shows about it. Um, they look super glamorous. Everybody looks at a nice kitchen and goes, wow, I could do that and then make this kitchen look really nice. And then they get in there and they find out it's, it's tons and tons and tons and tons of work. It's super, super hard. And I think that kind of beats a lot of people up from the space and they may shy away from investing in the future. So tell us about kind of the passive opportunities that exist within the space. So just let me tell you, so our, our you know, we've done now about a thousand flips. Amber and I have personally done since 15 years that we've done ourselves. And and we, we've got a portfolio of dozens of rentals as well, because we're all about passive income. At the end of the day, that's really what we're about. So we flip because it's active income, but, you know, because it's active income, we have a team that does it. We did yeah. over a hundred deals last year. We wholesale, we, we do flips, quick flips, long flips, whatever, all kinds of yeah, we, we also have Amber and our son, they manage what, 13? 13. 13 short-term rentals as well. And that's that's a great passive, uh, passive-ish. Income. You have to manage those more, but uh, but we'll call it passive-ish. That's what we'll do. You know, <laughs> you, you can, our, our flipping business is more of a passive income to us because we run it like a business. So we have managers in place and people that do stuff. We live on the beach in Florida and our flipping company operates in upstate New York. So in, in the definition of passive, it's much more passive than active, but we're still actively involved in that business. But if you build any business to a business level where you have systems and procedures and people in place, it can be a passive income, if that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, we do, we believe in passive income. I believe that rentals is the way that you need to do that, though. I think for the average person, uh, they don't want to build the business that we do doing that many flips. For us, it's just a means to an end to find yeah. more rentals. 
but it's still good. You know, with all that being said, it's still good to know how to flip a house. Absolutely. Because, because even if you're buying short-term rentals or or um, long-term rentals and, and building that rental portfolio, a lot of times you still have to know how to find the deals, which yeah. the deals are off-market. Um, you still have to know how to fund those deals. You still have to know how to renovate those deals. You still have to know how to deal with contractors. You still have to know all of those things. So it's still yeah. good to know how to flip a house. You may be flipping it to yourself to turn into a rental for. Uh, rental property but, for sure yeah yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah and there's a lot of that you know turning active income to passive income at the end of the day you have to have income to to get passive income you have to build a lot of cash is kind of the first step I and mean, you have to have money to create into uh, the passive income streams so tell us about you know getting into the business in 2007 because right now you know there's tons and tons of mixed reviews and mixed responses of the recession to come or the some people say the recession we're already in just kind of depends on your opinion you know, tell us about when you got started in 2007 versus what you're seeing now. Are they eerily similar? Are there big differences? Are you more or less comfortable now? You know, tell tell us about that. what's bringing it on is different, but I think that the outcome is probably going to be eerily similar. Yeah, Amber and I have had many conversations. We're alone in the car talking. It's like, well, this feels familiar. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just this whole thing. And again, I agree with Amber 100. It's not well. That's that. Well, I have to agree with you. You don't agree with me all the time. <laughs> That's where marriage. So, so we, you know, it's definitely not being like Amber said. It's not being brought on by the same thing. But 2007 was all brought on by bad lending practices, yeah. fraudulent lending, and you know, mm-hmm. taking predatory lending and all that. That's really what spurred on and that, that problem. Yeah, and now this time it's it's supply and demand, and it's a lot of you know free money has been pumping the economy, and the you know. They come calling for that. I mean, they, you know, that you have to pay that. There's a price for that. People don't, I don't know why they don't understand that, but there's a price for free money. And it's coming back now full circle. So that the factors with the higher interest rate and the cost of fuel and all the down through all that. Yeah. Yeah. But, layoffs that are happening. But what I see now, yeah, we were talking about yesterday, I said, oh, look at all the layoffs that are happening, right? Tens of thousands are being laid off on big companies. And that just trickles down to small companies because all the suppliers to them start getting yeah. cut back. Well, you know it. We're right back where people have to sell their houses at a discount and prices are already going down a little bit. What a great time to be a real estate investor to buy up capital. You make, you make your money in during a recession. People build wealth during recessions. Anybody, and I'll, I'll a little bit disagree with you, which you shouldn't disagree with the host, I know. But let's, you do have to have money to do this, but it doesn't have to be your own money. And so mm-hmm. we well, look, if you have a little bit of money, you want to make a lot more money. We'll show you how to, you have to have good credit. Well, you don't have to, but it's important. It's helpful. Yeah. We can show you where to find that money to build passive income. See, it's the only business where I can borrow money to buy a house from a bank. And then the bank will give me money back and I can get rent that pays for the mortgage. I mean, that mm. it's you know, a, a little shameless plug and let you know we have a brand new book came out, right? Called The Birth of the Everyday Real Estate Investor. And uh, in that book, we talk about my experience with my parents. I was brought up pretty poor, and I want we when I was fourteen years old, we took a motorcycle trip across country to burn their mortgage on the top of Pikes Peak in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so, I had four days to sit in the back of my brother's six hundred and fifty Yamaha and think about what was going on. I thought to myself, my, I asked my parents this of the breaks, said, "How much you guys pay for that house?" They said, twelve thousand five hundred. That's what we should monthly payment, fifty one dollars a month. And I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> and so. You know, but at that time in the eighties, it was worth seventy-five or eighty thousand dollars. Wow, yeah. wow. And I thought to myself, if I can own ten of those, I'd be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And, and if I, how do I get someone else to pay for it? And it's the only investment where you can have other people pay for it for you. And yeah. it takes that and everything else. So 
your your show about passive income, we are all about passive income. Yeah. And, yeah, sorry, no, so say had we not had that, when we got the chance to move to Florida during COVID, we bought a house down here in the waters in the millions of dollars, and I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be buying that much for a house. Never in a million years. Yeah. Or, you know, we worked hard, but we're down here and Amber fell over this house, and I'm like, oh, no. And we're walking around looking at the house, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You like that one? And I'm like, so, so I called the mortgage broker. He told me what the payment was going to be, and I went, huh? And because interest rates were two and two and yeah. whatever they were, I remember looking at our passive income just from our short-term rentals and said, we can more than cover that from our passive mm. income. So passive income gives you a lifestyle that you don't think about in advance. When yeah. you have enough money to cover your lifestyle, man, that's amazing. Amazing way yeah. to go. And so is a lot of that, that you know, what we call passive-ish income coming from your short-term rentals or how do you kind of split that up? You have long-term rentals, it sounds like as well. How, how do those balance each other out? Well, it'll, they're balanced. They just, they just, they just all help each other, right? So, that, so you don't think as much per month on the long term. Long term, all each of the trip. Yeah. So, just to give you an example, so we we turned our very first uh, short term rental was a house across the street from us, and that house, if we were going to rent it traditionally, would probably bring in about sixteen hundred dollars a month. Back in New York, not the beach. Yeah. Make sure we clear yeah. that. Yeah. That is, yeah. yeah. It's in a totally residential, everyday neighborhood. Hmm. Not, not a vacation destination at all. No, let so, like freezing cold temperature for big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody says, "Hey, honey, let's go to all the back." But that house at the traditional long-term rental would get about sixteen hundred bucks a month. Okay. At the short-term rental, we generate about three to four thousand dollars a month in rent, mm-hmm. and there are some expenses that have to come out of that. You know, we'll pay for internet and trash service and stuff like sure. that. But by and large, it's much more profitable than our long-term. Rental. Did you say five to seven times the return? Yeah. Five to seven times the yeah, yeah we like the word ish really yeah. in this podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> but five to seven ish times the revenue now you do a little more work for it because you are managing gasoline but our son does that for us we pay him a ten percent fee to to do all that so it only can be you know, paid if he's if they're making money but it's that has more money a little more work to pass it the long term rentals that has less money per month but we have a lot of there yeah it's, it's learned but. The, the secret thing that people forget is every single month, all that money is a mortgage. And every time that mortgage is paid, that puts more equity in our pocket. Mm-hmm. At the same time, prices are going up. Now, I know right now prices are coming down a little bit, but historically speaking, we'll look back in five years and it will just continue to go up. It just always does. And so that our, we're gaining equity while we're, while we're gaining equity because they're paying off. So in the middle, we create, that's wealth. That's, that's multi-millions of dollars. That's not a hundred bucks. I mean, it's a lot of money that's graded there. And you look over the course of five years or 10 years, you look, we look back and go, we do our personal net worth. We're like, wow. like 10 years was dramatic. 10 years was dramatic. Yeah. yeah. And the other a couple of years, you don't notice it. But all of a sudden, year 10, when you're like, I'm just that house for But that time goes by. How much story? Yeah. Yeah. And so I love, uh, and you can make it more passive, I guess, by having your, your kids run it for you, which is a fantastic strategy. So I love that. I definitely love it. Hey, investor, really quickly, I hope you're enjoying the show. If you have topics you want me to cover, questions you want me to answer, or guests who you think would make for a great and educational episode, email me with my email in the show notes. Let's get back to the show. Tell yeah. us about, so it sounds like you guys have done, you know, like so a ton of flipping. That's kind of what's, uh, you know, drew my eye to you. And, and from flipping, you have a ton of other experience, but Let's talk about that because it sounds like you've done that for the for most of it. 
what do you look for typically in good flips and how can maybe that retail investor who's not built like you too, who doesn't have the hundreds of millions of dollars under their belt, who doesn't have that experience. If you're just starting from day one or maybe month one, and you're starting to look at properties, what do you look for in your next potential flip? But, you know, definitely a good profit margin and, and you have to know your numbers going in up front. So when, when people have our flipping workshop, for example, we actually go through a property room by room and we, we give all of our students something called the home flipping evaluator because if yeah. you are just guessing you're going to, you're going to end up hurting. So, so number one, you have to know your numbers. Um, another thing that we really go so, over that is you make your money when you buy. Yeah. But, but I could also tell somebody brand new, don't get in over your head in the beginning, you know, start with something that really just needs some, some cosmetic repair instead of, you know, don't get into something that's a burn house or a mold house or a firehouse or something yeah. the foundation is falling apart. If I get through this, what I, what I think the most important thing, and all that stuff is very important, we have to remember, even before that, you got to buy it off market. Right. You can't mm-hmm. on market deal on the MLS. People are like, oh, I looked at the MLS. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing on the MLS. I can't, I can't find anything. Well, no kidding. There's nothing on the MLS. There used to be, and I think in the, in the year ahead of us, I think that we're going to start to see more deals pop on the MLS. That's just the cycle of recessions that were happening. But we still made our money with off-market deals. Even agents would bring us deals off-market. So at, like Amber said, at our Halsey Workshop, we go over like 15 different ways to find off-market deals. And I tell you, one of the, the simplest ones I could tell your audience is, look for a house that looks vacant and go talk to the neighbors. Now you may say to yourself, well, I have all these high-tech apps I could buy to do that for me. You sure can or you can get out and open your mouth and talk to somebody and find 50 grand like that. that Nothing life. beats it. And I guess you can buy an app. You can spend money on your walk, but you don't need to to get started. You just got to find a house that's vacant and knock on the door a little bit, do a little digging. Because I always say if it's hard to, it's harder to find the owner, it's a better deal. Because most people yeah. go, oh, hard. I'm not going to do that. And so you want to find it because off market is where the money is. They want to sell. And listen, I'll tell you this, Justin, no matter what economy we're in, there are several factors that are always true. Death, disease, I call them like D's, yep. nine different D's, but death, disease, divorce, downsize, dilapidated, disgusted, destination, if you want to move someplace else. There are a bunch of D's that make somebody a motivated seller. I don't care if the rates are high, rates are low, recession, or we're making dozen money in the country. I don't care where we are in the country. Those things still happen. And people still have to sell houses all your job is is to find one or two a year and be their solution yeah and even if you just want to do one or two rentals a year then do that but flip a couple make a hundred grand i mean we base our business on fundamentals not trends now you're going to see in the next couple of years a lot of people coming out with different trends oh you got to do subject to deals you have to do that so that's yeah. the way you have, to, you have to buy notes everyone has a secret sauce here's the secret sauce it's fundamentals just find a motivated seller and buy the house at a discount that's it then yeah. really not always sexy, but it's what's built our empire. And when you when you find that person, so I know you said, hey, avoid some of those, what I maybe call mechanical issues, foundations, a burn property, some with mold in it. So we were looking mostly at more of those cosmetic things um, or maybe some outdated, you know, kitchens and bathrooms and floorings, a lot of those things that need to be done. Um, so when it comes to that, what we call the value add strategy is buying that, that classic unit or that classic property and then modernizing it uh, on a cosmetic level. What types of strategies are you seeing or do you like to employ? Or are you seeing more popular? You know, are people going very, very high end? Are people um, using different floorings or materials now that they used before? So when investors are really looking at this potential property, they know, 
Hey, what are some of the good or the better value add strategies that we should be looking at? Really good. I was going to say the right now where we are in the economy right now is this and this is being ordered right now. I would tell you this: we based our business in the early days on first-time homebuyers. Because depending on what market you're in, but right now, if you try to go for high-end stuff, you're going to have a tough time because interest rates are so high. People can't afford the high-end house anymore like they used to. Right, a, a house at two percent is very different at seven percent. It's a very different buyer, and you have very less. You have a lot less buyers. Amber is the master of design for that. So it's what we did. We had we had a strategy. We still have it. For how we appeal to first time home buyers without breaking the bank. Yeah, we would we would basically try to do a few things that were not budget busters, but really made the house feel custom instead of so cookie cutter. So things as simple as you know, adding chrome molding to the kitchen cabinets or hardware on the cabinets and tiling the backsplash, tiling the tub surround. So just those little things don't cost hardly any much more money at all. I don't think that was proper English, but we're not English teachers. It doesn't cost much more money at all, but they make the house feel very custom. So like in the beginning, for example, the houses in upstate New York, we tried to make a hundred and fifty or hundred seventy thousand dollar house feel like it was three hundred thousand dollars because of those little touches. So I, I would just say, try to find things that really like make an impact and make the house feel custom, but that don't break the bank. And so stay, like, stay in that, stay in that, I'm sorry, to interrupt, but I just say stay in that first time home buyer yeah. price range, because that's where most of the buyers are going to be because they don't shop rates. They all, they, they, they come out of college. They decide they want to buy a house. They want to grow up. Finally, they say, I want to have my own piece of property. I'm going to have a family. Yeah. Something happens. They're like, let's get a house. Well, how do I pay for it? Okay, it's seven percent. Okay, well, how, what's my payment look like? What can I afford? Yeah, it's they, not in this world. You don't necessarily pay attention to what, no. what the interest rates were, you know, two years ago or a year ago. And nor do you care. They are now. You know, when my seven or eight percent way back okay. in the day. So it's just what it was, and you didn't think about it. So new first-time home buyers don't shop like that. And first-time home buyers and also people that are going to be downsizing because they can't afford the house that they're in. So that's right. a really good buy box right now. Yeah. And so you start with that, I guess that what we call an avatar in mind. So you already buy and knowing, hey, my my person who's going to buy this home is going to be that first time home buyer. Their budget's probably going to be within this range. Uh, and so that, you know, I don't want to over upgrade this problem because I think that's where a lot of people get crazy is they they think the, the nicer the home, the better the profit will be on it. Or the nicer the apartment re- renovation, will, the more the rents will be. It's just not always the case. And especially from a percentage perspective. And, you know, we've, we've had, when I, you know, sold single family homes as well, saw a lot of cases of people overdeveloping for the neighborhood and putting in quartz kiln pops and stainless steel plants and putting in fall flooring. And, and really that the market there didn't support that. They wanted to get a certain price point that nobody would just live in those neighborhoods for. So I really like what you said, because I think that's super important, really starting with that end in mind before you spent a dollar, know who's going to buy that property, what they're going to look for and what they can afford. Uh, in today's market as well. So, um, so it's always, it's always yeah, I was saying, listen, if you spend a dollar, you get a dollar fifty back, no matter what you look at. So I want to make, I want to make the floor look beautiful. That's fine. But when you get a dollar fifty back on the dollar for, you know, square foot that you buy for, if you don't, if you're not going to make money, you are an investor, you're not a spender. <laughs> or an investor. So if you spend, you know, you invest correctly. What you mentioned, Justin, I see that all the time. And we see that even with students that I, I'm working with that I have to kind of talk off the ledge with that because that is one of the biggest mistakes is over improving the house. They want to make it like they would want it if they lived there. And the thing I love about living houses is you have something to base your decision, your design decisions off of. You have your cons, your comparable sales. And so you don't want to overdo it. You, you do want to make yours 
nicer than everybody else's, but you don't want to overdo it so much that you that you outprice yourself out of out of the market. And you know, being a designer myself, like I want to make every single room Pinterest worthy, but <laughs> but what you have to do is you have to put your business hat on and you have to make calculated business decisions, not emotional decisions. And so that can be a, a hard line for people that just like the glamour of it that they see on the TV shows mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, so if you, but if you're in this to make a profit, you have to stick to those hardcore business decisions. Yeah. I like that. Cause really, I mean, I think really like those shows, HGTV and Pinterest have kind of ruined a lot of people's perception of what the real strategy is. Um, cause it's not always that high end one. We're renovating an apartment right now in Kansas, uh, or just outside of Kansas city. And we put in uh, renovations for some of the units and when we sent out pictures of it, um, some investors said, Hey, is that, you know, it doesn't really look that great. She said, well, but for the market, it's fantastic. And it's actually one of the highest um, comp properties in the market now, but we can't push this past a certain limit. So we're not going to put in those super, super high-end appliances and those very high-end countertops for us. So yeah, definitely striking that balance is, is really, really important. So you mentioned this course a couple of times. It sounds like you teach some people, is it home flipping? Is it short-term rentals? What exactly is it? Everything. I mean, we it's the home flipping workshop is a three-day it's a three-day, very comprehensive workshop that we offer people for fifty-nine dollars. So you can go, you can go, literally go to homeworkshop.com, and really the fifty-nine dollars covers. We're going to Federal Express a package to you that has all kinds of stuff to help you through the workshop for three days. It's live, it's interactive, it's on Zoom. We went Zoom during COVID, and it's just been a massive hit. If you look up, if you look up Home Flipping Workshop online for under Google or under Facebook, you'll see six or seven hundred five-star reviews in both platforms. So there's a lot of uh, five-star reviews there. We have there a ton of them. And we take people from how to get your foundation, your business set up, to how to get the right entity, the right you know, structure, legal structure for taxes and all that stuff, protection, how to flip, how to find off market, how to flow. We even do a capital raising session at the workshop where you can actually raise capital right there. We teach them you know, creative financing. We teach them, we do a rental portfolio strategy with how to, how, we show the the power of doing one a year, two a year, six a year, twelve a year. We show the power of how that compounds and what that looks like with real numbers with a real spreadsheet. And like Amber said, we take them, we do a walkthrough at an actual house, all via our our team goes into they go into breakout rooms, lots of little breakout sessions, and and they even have time to meet one on one with our advisors and ask questions and learn. And it's it's an awesome workshop. It really has. We've been doing that for six years. We've been doing that, well, since 2016. So we've been doing that for, for six years. I'm going to our seventh year now. And it's been it's been everything I've always expected and more. I love, love helping people do what they to, to be successful. We are real, though. I'll, I'll let people know it's not a gear fix team. So I say, if you want to come learn, we'll, we'll love to teach you. But we're it. what we do is hard work, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And... No, I we we have so many students and so much success. It's been it's been a lot of fun doing it. We love it. And yeah. here's here's what I think we're so different about. We live in a world right now where everybody thinks they're a successful real estate investor over the past couple of years because they could have stubbed their toe and made money and ma- made the biggest mistake in the world and made fifty grand. That ain't happening anymore. You need a coach, you need a mentor, you need someone to guide you through these uncharted waters. We've been around. We're not a new person saying, "Oh, I'm I've been successful." Justin, we didn't open our coaching business until we had done 400 flips ourselves. I wanted to prove the model. I think at 400, we said, all right, I think we got some of this figured out now. Let's let's put together a course and teach people how to do it, you know, start to finish and build the life that they want to build for themselves. So it's, they come in wanting to flip houses. So they found it's kind of like flipping themselves. So yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And I like to say, so many people have been successful real estate investors recently when you almost... Yeah. 
couldn't want. I mean, my Uber driver is a real estate investor the last year. So <laughs> course, not, not, not at all. Yeah, not knocking that at all. But you know, that that's kind of a big red flag when of, of markets in general. That was the same with yeah. Bitcoin when people were making tons and tons of money in Bitcoin. It didn't matter who you were, what you did, what you knew, and then it all came crashing down. So same with real estate as well. So all this was that I hope this was really valuable. There's a ton to be had here, a lot of different strategies. Uh, and a lot of things that apply to both passive and if you want to step on the active side as well. Um, and we're going to put all the links and the resources here that Glenn just mentioned in the show notes. Um, while you're there, if you haven't already, make sure you download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies. Glenn and Amber, this has been awesome having you on. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great time. Well, that's it for today's show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you're looking to learn more about passive real estate investments, make sure you head to our show notes and download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies, where we reveal the ins and outs of the truly passive ways to invest in real estate. We'll see you on the next episode.